This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Agriculture is a huge industry in Florida. According to the USDA, in 2019, the agriculture industry here in the Sunshine State contributed $13.7 billion to the state's economy and employed more than 144,000 people. And here in southwest Florida, there is a significant agriculture industry. Growers in our region produce crops like citrus, tomatoes, watermelons, and other fruits and vegetables. This region also has a thriving livestock industry with cattle and dairy farms contributing to the economy as well. But times are changing for all of us, and this definitely includes farmers and growers and those working to make food for us. On today's show, we're going to learn about a new study Florida Gulf Coast University's Center for Agribusiness is embarking on to evaluate the future of the ag industry in southwest Florida over the next 25 years. To learn more, I'm joined in studio by Dr. Fritz Roca. He's the director of the Florida Gulf Coast University Center for Agribusiness. Dr. Roca, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. And Dr. Barry Goodwin is an agricultural economist and William Neal Reynolds Distinguished Professor at North Carolina State University, and he's an FGCU Presidential Fellow. Dr. Goodwin, welcome to Southwest Florida and the show. Thanks very much. And Ron Hamill is former Vice President of the Gulf Citrus Growers Association and a longtime grower and industry leader or grower of cattle. Ron, thanks. Good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, it's great being here, right? Uh, so, Dr. Roca, let's start with you. Just for starters, just tell us a little bit about the Center for Agribusiness, because it's relatively new, right? Relatively speaking, yes. It's been, um, I guess, it started when Dr. Mike Martin arrived here as, as the fourth uh, president. And within a year, he got money from the state legislature to set up a center for agribusiness, recognizing that agriculture was one of the primary pillars of our economic uh, business here in Southwest Florida. And so um, he, um, I guess also keeping with the roots of, the, of, of FGCU, being founded by an agribusiness company, Alico, Ben Hill Griffin Jr., or Ben Hill Griffin III, I should say, as well as Dr. Bernie Lester, being the principal owners and runners of the, of the Alico Corporation. So recognizing that agribusiness is an important component, economic component of the, of the area, he felt that we needed to have a presence. And and study and do some research on the on the agribusiness issues, but more importantly, give our students at FGC an opportunity to learn something about agriculture, agribusiness in this in this area. And as I guess that's been a pretty rewarding experience for me. I've I've been in Southwest Florida for my entire time in Florida, which has now been 26 years. But um, getting to interact with students and hearing how they perceive the world is been fascinating. Yeah, and just being on campus is a nice nice thing, I think. Um, so tell us about this new study, uh, how it will be conducted, and the sorts of information that you're hoping to gain from it. Well, it's a, again, as you said, it's a 25-year lookout over the next 25 years, and we're going to be, it's going to be in different phases. In the first phase, we're going to target uh, leaders, uh, key leaders of our various commodity groups, citrus, vegetables, sugarcane, cattle, ornamentals, and get their perspectives on the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, as you might recognize, that's the SWOT analysis, as how they perceive their, their individual businesses, and more importantly, how they perceive agriculture in general. What are some of the challenges that they face that, they, that, they need, to be, that need to be overcome as you look out the next 5, 10, and ultimately 25 years? In other words, in 25 years, will agriculture still occupy an important place, an economic position here in Southwest Florida? And um, we, I guess I'm a biased, little biased observer in this. I hope it does. And so, the, so one of the questions will be, well, how can agriculture maintain its current important position? 
Hmm. Um, what are the major changes or um, impacts that ag in Southwest Florida in particular have faced over maybe the last two decades? Interesting question because about maybe almost 20 years ago, a couple professors here at FGCU did an outlook study published back in 2006, commissioned by the Gulf Citrus Growers Association, asking a similar question. At that time, they were concerned about urban development, uh, trade, uh, labor, government regulations, uh, dealing appropriately with the environment. And we want to ask those same questions uh, and, and see, if, see how the answers have changed. Um, our, we suspect that there's a lot of similarities. So that's what we hope to hope to gain. Uh, Dr. Goodwin, I want to bring you in now. Um, right. For starters, just tell us a bit about yourself and your work. Uh, it seems like you're, you're, you definitely deal with a lot of numbers. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's my specialty. I've, I've been at NC State for about 30 years, but I'm a, a native of Florida and um, grew up here and that, really happy to have a, an opportunity to come back and, and do some work here. Really interesting work. So. Um, what is the scope of the kind of research that you do? Is it is it you know the kind of, is is does this study fall directly within it or or not? Yeah, totally. I I do work um, on policy and really the the intersection of policy issues with agriculture, and I think it does fit right in. Uh, policies, you know, an important part of every aspect of of, of agriculture now, and um, you know I I see this as a, a really great opportunity to to do some an academic study and look at where agriculture's been in Southwest Florida and then where it's going in, into the future. I think there's just a, a lot of fascinating issues that, that are involved there. Are the kinds of issues and challenges that growers here face the same as other places in the country or are things about this region that make it different? Well, I think that both. I mean, I think a lot of things are the same that farmers face everywhere, even even around the world, the same challenges. But, um, you know, things like high input prices right now, uh, high land prices, um, you know, uh, changing, uh, increasing concern for the environment is something that, that's pretty much universal now. But um, the, the crop mix is very different here. The challenges are very different. I think some of the, the plant disease issues are very specific to this, this uh, the crops here in the region, things like uh, citrus greening, for example. And, um, you know, we face the same problems in large part, but there's specific things here that, that are challenges. And, and the tools that we use to address these are really much, you know, pretty much uh, universal as well. So... Understood. Mm -hmm. uh, Ron Hamill, I want to bring you in now. Um, you were uh, vice president of Gulf Citrus Growers Association. Like I told you before the show, I've always associated you with growing citrus, but apparently you're a, you're, you were a dairy farmer. Well, I worked for the dairy industry and, uh, and PR and marketing for many, many years uh, prior to uh, coming to southwest Florida following a series of freezes uh, up in central Florida, which kind of shifted uh, the production of citrus uh, down to southwest Florida. Uh, even though uh, citrus had been grown here for years and years, uh, when uh, the uh, combination of the freezes up in central Florida and Disney World and Universal coming in, it kind of shifted uh, production, um, hopefully south of what we used to consider the freeze line, mm -hmm. which is Route 60, that would run east and west of the state. Although uh, we we experienced some rather cold weather down here uh, during that 
30-year tenure I had with, with the industry. Can you characterize uh, how much the industry, the citrus and, and fruit industry, has declined in Florida uh, since you've been a part of it? Well, you know, initially, we uh, in Florida, we were one of the world's largest producers of citrus uh, right behind Brazil, uh, predominantly uh, uh, orange juice production, orange uh, juices, um, citrus for, for juice, orange juice, uh, predominantly Hamlin, early mid-season oranges and Valencias had some of the highest quality uh, fruit uh, for, for many, many years. Uh, and in fact, when uh, after the freezes in the 80s, uh, this particular part of the state grew to almost 200,000 acres of citrus we had here in five county region. And uh, today, I think we're probably somewhere down to about 60,000 acres. So we've gone from 200,000 acres down to 60,000 uh, acres approximately. And uh, citrus growers are struggling with diseases. Uh, basically, we had citrus canker that came in and uh, you know devastated the industry for years. And uh, that disease is spread by uh, windborne rain. And of course, you know, in the uh, uh, I guess the early uh, 2000s, about 2005, we got hit with those hurricanes uh, across the state. Three or four hurricanes that basically spread canker statewide. And um, of course, by that time, we had lost several hundred thousands of acres in in the uh, industry. And then right behind that, we got the citrus greening disease, which at the time it it, uh, was identified in 2005. uh, The scientific experts said that we had five years to survive, that the industry was going to be totally devastated. they were right, except now we, what, 15 to 17 years in on this, and the the industry is struggling, but we're actually finding answers to uh, dealing with greening. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second, but I wanted to ask, you know, we, we talk about how, you know, as the state's population has grown, you know, land becomes more valuable to develop, and a lot of that farmland has been converted into that. Would you say that if, if greening and canker hadn't happened, as much land would have been converted, or was that just a way out for farmers who are struggling against these pests and diseases? No, I, I think there was a strong uh, uh, interest in, in, uh, in, in a demand for uh, Florida orange juice and Florida fresh citrus uh, worldwide. And uh, I think it's very unfortunate because now we're finding ourselves uh, with, with the fact that we got high demand uh, for our products, and we're having to import uh, great amounts of uh, fruit from Mexico, from Brazil. But uh, no, I, I think the industry uh, was was definitely strong, and we had excellent infrastructure, packing houses for fresh and processing facilities that now uh, were greatly reduced uh, across the board because of the decline in our ability to produce. Uh, both the fresh and uh, processed uh, products that uh, are in high demand. Um, I don't want to just focus on citrus, but one more question for, and I've just learned that, Dr. Rogue, you're a citrus farmer yourself. Um, (laughs) In in, in 2000, I looked up, it was 280 million boxes of fruit. In 2019, it was 47.9 million boxes. And then you were saying before the show that the latest numbers post-Ian are are even considerably lower than that. What's that? 
Number. Absolutely. I, I think the official USDA estimate in October, early October 2022 was 27, 28 million boxes. But that was on the heels of Hurricane Ian, which went right through some of our better citrus groves, i.e. Soto Hardy counties. And so the revised estimate is now below 20 million boxes, 18 to 20 million boxes. So it's it's uh, it's pretty devastating. And, and yeah, thank you for saying I'm a citrus grower. I, I want to be clear about this. So it's a one a small scale citrus grower. It's a want to be citrus grower. <laughs> when I can make some money, I'll consider myself a citrus grower. But that's not that's not happening. It's yet. a hobby because hobbies cost something. It's a very <laughs> expensive. Uh, let's call it a special therapy hobby. Understood. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests. Dr. Fritz Roca is director of the Florida Gulf Coast University Center for Agribusiness. Dr. Barry Goodwin is an agricultural economist and distinguished professor at. North Carolina State University and an FGCU Presidential Fellow, and Ron Hamill is former Vice President of the Gulf Citrus Growers Association. We're discussing the future of agriculture in Southwest Florida. FGCU Center for Agribusiness will soon begin a major research study to try to get a handle on the changes that are coming and the threats the industry will face in the coming decades. If you'd like to engage with the show, just find us on Facebook or on Twitter. So let's talk about challenges. We've kind of touched on some of them, um, which ones are most concerning, etc., and possibly some new opportunities that might present themselves. Dr. Rocco, what are the main challenges that are facing the industry? And let me just, I th- can I throw a list out? This is the list I came up with, and you okay. tell me how I did. Changes in land use. Check. Pests and diseases. Check. Availability of labor. Check. Availability of water. Check. Climate. Well, availability of water is okay. Okay. I would say availability of quality, and I would say as we move into the future, 25 years, allocation of water is going to be an important issue. In some respects, it already has been. But as we get more and more people, what, 1,000 people a day, that's more, basically more houses, more toilets, whatever. And our environment is still a, a significant resource that we have to take care of and make sure we get water allocated to that as well. Okay. So. Uh, climate change? Shifting uh, weather patterns? Yes, but I don't know enough about it to... Talk okay. definitively about it. Okay. I mean, well, well, I guess you can see if the study brings anything forth. I think we'll see if people are concerned about it. Um, uh, global trade and foreign competition. Ooh, mm. absolutely. That's a biggie. And uh, just distribution networks domestically. Is that an issue? Or is that um, just a – we've seen a glitch in supply chain. There's su- yeah, there's supply chain. I think we got a good supply chain infrastructure. And it's just – yeah, we had some bottlenecks and some issues. But by and large, I think we're, we've got a good – a good infrastructure. Now, now, as Ron mentioned with citrus, citrus specifically, the industry has taken a significant hit and we've lost infrastructure. So to be able to rebuild that industry, even if we figure out how to- In other words, cleaning, if to get back to 280 million uh, boxes, you'd have to have a lot of infrastructure repositioned. Yeah, infrastructure meaning just growers themselves. I mean, the human capital of being able to be a grower, the uh, processing plants, and even the harvesting uh, companies that were specialized to bring in the the numbers of people to harvest the citrus that's, that's needed. Um, Dr. Goodwin, does that list align with your perspective? Did I go off the rails anywhere no, there? No, I think that's right. I mean, I, I, I would just add, you know, how, how policy interacts with all of this is going to be an important issue as well. So, oh, yeah. Explain what that means for our listeners who, who, who don't live in the world of, of policy. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, agriculture is, is, has a, a wide range of policies that are, uh, you know, involved in different aspects of of, of production and marketing and um, resource use. And I think, um, you know, the, the federal government runs a very large crop insurance program that insures a lot of the crops in the area. And so the risk associated with that is important. Um, 
There's a lot of attention now to bringing environmental concerns into that program and other programs as well. Um, President Biden has has uh, targeted agriculture to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 50 percent by 2030, and that's a that's a big challenge. I think it'll be uh, you know interesting to see how we do that. But um, no, I mean I think um, policy plays a role in everything we do, pretty much, and and um, it. It's, it's going to be important to looking to the future to see how the, the federal and state governments um, work to control some of the problems that we've looked at or at least try to try to address them. Do surveys like this and gleaning information from people on the ground help inform policymakers? Absolutely. That's what they need to, to have. And, um, you know, it, it informs the, the taxpayers as well who are paying the bills on these things. And, and so it's a very important study to have done, I think. Hmm. Um, there's a conference that got underway today in Orlando. I don't know if you all are familiar with it. It's called AI and in Agriculture, Innovation and Discovery to Equitably Meet Producer Needs and Perceptions. It's University of Florida IFAS. Uh, what role do you see, uh, Dr. Roca, AI and technology playing in the future? We get a lot of press releases from UF talking about oh, yeah. ways to scan and drones and all kinds of little things. Is AI going to be also the future of, of ag? There are some people within the ranks of academia that will predict that one day you won't need a farmer, that you'll, through artificial intelligence, you'll have a human being, maybe in North Dakota, say in the summertime when it's a little bit warm down here, um, directing traffic and directing uh, operations here in, in Florida. That's, the, that's an extreme view. I hope that never happens because I think agriculture needs to have human hands on it. Um, but yeah, I think artificial intelligence is is, is a part of our world. And I think looking at it from the positive side, if you can have technology to enhance our decision-making process, especially in the areas of, uh, say, nutrient use, water use that we're concerned about for environmental reasons, yes, we need to have better technology. Um, you know, we were on U.S. Sugar Operations a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, took a class out there, and they were explaining their, their technology, and it's fascinating to hear that artificial intelligence working so that you can better utilize the equipment, better utilize fuel for that equipment, better be more precise with how you're applying not just fertilizers, but plant protection materials, making crop production more efficient. And I think that's going to be a key for agricultural survival to be more cost efficient as well as less impact on the environment. That uh, conference title has the word equitably in it. And I think what they're getting at is that I've seen concerns that it's going to be the major industry, you know, farms mm -hmm. that might be better able to roll with those kind of changes than the small growers who might be like kind of left out of that loop. That's, Do you see that as an issue? I see that as a fact. Um, is an issue. I, agriculture, especially commodity agriculture, is advanced to bigger, fewer and bigger farms. That's just the nature of being in a commodity. And that's been happening since Lord knows when. Barry can probably get into this more. But that's just a, a fact of commodities and the, and, the, and the issue is low cost wins. So if artificial intelligence gives you a lower cost, you're going to adopt it. But that artificial intelligence comes with a price. It's heavy capital investment and you need to have the capital resources to do that. And I'm sorry, a 30, 40 acre citrus grower can't handle that kind of, you know, capital investment. You need the acreage, you need the financial backing to be able to invest in those technologies. Uh, uh, Ron, uh, how much, and got to keep it fairly short because we're coming up toward the end, but you know, how many more small farms were there 30 years ago than there are today? 
Uh, I really don't have a, a hard number. Well, just on that. It just I mean, it just a, your sense of it, because I feel like there used to be a lot of smaller farmers, and they'd all use the same distribution and packing houses, and then maybe that's all just kind of been consolidated some, or is that not true? No, I, I think it's definitely true. I think when I started Gulf Citrus, we had approximately two hundred uh, two hundred members, everything from a five acre. A member all the way up to a couple thousand acre member and I would think today just in our region if they have 50 40 to 50 total growers hmm. uh, there's still quite a few uh, Fritz Roca 40 acre growers and in, in in the association but uh, but yeah there are few fewer uh, total number of growers uh, that uh, that that are still in the business and um, they're, they work cooperatively, I think a lot of uh, through co-ops. Uh, in fact, I think one of the, uh, one of the largest co-ops in, in our region is actually uh, it, uh, was, it was Florida Natural, but they're actually uh, part of that 2,000 acres is several 50, 100 acre members as part of that co-op. So uh, cooperative uh, ventures are a way of keeping smaller uh, uh, growers in the business, uh, and they participate as a as a group. Hmm. Um, uh, Dr. Roca, do you think that? Um, and I know you can't predict the future, but you know, looking back at the 2006 survey, looking at this now, do you think that you might be surprised by something, or do you guys, you know, you stay right on top of this? So you know, maybe you'll just get some refined <laughs> understanding, but maybe no. I didn't think of that. I hope I can say the latter. I didn't think of that. I hope, I hope we can say that. I hope there are some insights that, that, that do surprise us. I'm very optimistic that agriculture will still be here 25 years, and I, maybe it's a little biased. I think it's going to look a little different. Um, as, as Ron was saying, yes, there's been some consolidation, but at the same time, there's been a, a ex, almost an explosion in diversity of other types of operations. So we have this you know, commodity world that, that matures, fewer and fewer growers, but you have other businesses that, that jump in, berry production, ornamental production, um, even different vegetables, ethnic-oriented uh, vegetables. Those tend to be done by smaller growers. So I think there's an evolution over time. There's a great interest in local production. It could be 5, 10, 20-acre vegetable producers producing for a local market. So I think there's some dynamics that are going on that will be exciting to follow and watch. And furthermore, I think that there's going to be an opportunity, and this is where I hope FGCU can play a bigger role, is that there's some synergy between agricultural production and environmental resources, call them ecosystem services. And I hope that that, I hope this study and that we at the center as well as the water school can work toward those synergies that have a compatibility of agricultural production and environmental quality. All right. Well, we are the Sunshine State, so, you know, people will grow something here, I'm sure. But that is, unfortunately, all the time we have. Uh, Dr. Fritz Roca is director of the Florida Gulf Coast University Center for Agribusiness. Dr. Roca, thank you. Thank you for having us. And Dr. Barry Goodwin is an agricultural economist and William Neal Reynolds Distinguished Professor professor at North Carolina State University and an FGCU Presidential Fellow. Dr. Goodwin, we appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you. And Ron Hamill is former vice president of the Gulf Citrus Growers Association, and, and he works with President Martin in the center here at FGCU. Ron, it's good to see you. Thank you. Great. Thank you for having us. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear all of our episodes at wgcu.org gcl or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. 
For now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.